Hey, Lanita. Hey, Karen. What's up? Well, our sister friends will be excited to hear our next guest speaker on Her Path Radio. She's a business and marketing strategist, Ruth Bowles. Awesome. Having her here to describe her path is just what this program is all about. Helping women on their journey to finding their purpose, aspiring to greatness, seeking transformative change, and inspiring hope in the world. That's right. We are committed to uplifting our sister friends and helping them live their best life by introducing our listeners to influential women from around the world who will share their journey and inspire us all to design our destiny while lifting our communities. Yes, ma'am. And inspiration is the key. And we will introduce our listeners to a powerful woman who continues to help others on their journey after this quick break. Hey, Lanita. Happy holidays. Same to you, Karen. Can you believe it's already December and we're on our sixth podcast? Wow. And I've not had even thought about gifts yet. Wow. Thank goodness we can turn to one of our favorite florists, Nell Rice, the owner of Debbie's Floral Shop. That's right, Karen. Debbie's Floral Shop is committed to offering only the finest floral arrangements and gifts backed by service that is friendly and prompt. Because all of their customers are important, their professional staff is dedicated to making every experience a pleasant one. They always go the extra mile to make sure every floral gift is perfect. And that's why we encourage everyone to let Debbie's Floral Shop be their first choice for flowers. Absolutely. So remember, sister friends, if you are in need of beautiful, creative floral arrangements for any and all occasions, please contact your new sister friend, Nell Rice, by phone at 847-949-4454 or via their website at www.debbiesfloralshop.com. Or if you're in the Chicago area, area, feel free to stop by the shop at 421 North Lake Street, Wonderline, Illinois. Remember to tell her her staff you heard about them on Her Path Radio. Thanks, sister friends. Welcome back, everyone. Ruthie Bowles is the founder of Defy the Status Quo, a woman, minority, and veteran-owned authority marketing consultancy that provides content marketing, creation, and strategy for consulting firms and service companies. She is also a mom of four, an author, a podcaster, and a small business owner. And as chief strategist of her marketing consultancy, she focuses on helping experts use their stories and experiences to become visible experts in their industry. Ruthie is a phenomenal talent, but it's her passion to help businesses express themselves through their content that's her true superpower. And her time as a military intelligence professional taught her how to find creative solutions to problems. Yes, indeed, Karen. Ruthie has been able to turn those skills to helping client-based businesses who want authenticity with their audience, human-to-human contact. She uses that content to educate, build credibility, and client trust. And I am excited to hear her tell us how. Welcome, Ruthie. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Ruthie. I hope you're excited for some more fun today because I'm just so excited about all we're going to be sharing I'm just loving this opportunity. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to kick it off, right? The purpose. You know, what was the trigger to let you know this is it, that you had identified your purpose? It 
was an interesting experience. It was a buildup of almost, I would say probably about a year or so. If you check out my content online, I talk a lot about a couple of things. Uh, authenticity being one, something I call radical authenticity because it's probably much different than what you've heard talked about before. And the second thing what is ethical business. I am very big on an ethical business and what that means, particularly for the service-based businesses, the businesses who are basically selling, you know, either their, their experience, their knowledge, their, their expertise, the byproducts of those things. Um, and so on one hand, I went through an experience where I realized I wasn't showing up authentically in my marketing. My marketing was technically very good. It was very accurate, but I wasn't showing up there. And I realized that over time as people would say, oh, you're so different than, you know, what I expected. And I was like, really, really? And then I, it came more than one person said it. And I was just like, geez, what is it? And I realized that I wasn't present in my marketing. Anybody could have said the things the way that I was saying them because it was just so regimented and not in line with my personality at all. And so I started to explore that. I started to explore what it meant to be authentic because it wasn't like what I was saying was false. I wasn't getting online and saying things that weren't true. So what does it mean to be authentic? And I just started on this journey of digging deeper and deeper. And it's like, okay, uh, it's not just saying whatever I want to say, right? Because what if, what if my emotions lead me to say something I don't actually mean. So that's not being authentic. That was me showing up and potentially having a tantrum. So if it's not my emotions, <laughs> right? If it's not my emotions, then, then what is it? And so I just got deeper and deeper. And then I start, and then that, then a new storyline enters the plot where I had an experience with an inc incredibly unethical business. It was a, a business coaching company and it devastated me. It hurt a lot. I am very much an achiever. I am accustomed to succeeding at pretty much whatever I put my mind to. So to go through an experience where I had invested tens of thousands of dollars into a company that was supposed to help me grow, oh, wow. they had yeah, they had twisted my mind. And basically it was, if I succeed, it's because of them. If I fail, then it's my fault. And that's what they basically did to everyone. And gaslighting. Is that oh right? yeah. Oh, I we could do a whole episode just on that. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a whole episode just on that. But yes, it was very much gaslighting and a lot of uh, cult tactics and and all. I've I've gone so oh, wow. deep. Yeah, I've gone so deep into that. Um, but that happened, and I hit a point where I was like, you know, maybe I should. Maybe this isn't for me. You know, it was just so my mind got so twisted up. I forgot all about my past success and I was just so into it. Uh, but it turned into, you know, that horrible experience kind of wove itself into my exploration of emotional intelligence, which is, which is when I discovered the emotional manipulation and I ended up getting certified in emotional intelligence. I shifted my major uh, in school to uh, social psychology. I started doing more research into who we are, what it means to be, you know, us and human and authenticity, what that actually means. And that mm. was a rabbit hole that led me to quantum physics and quantum science. And then I started researching cults and, and looking at, you know, all of the different ways that marketing in my industry uh, misrepresents what it is that people are actually selling. And I realized, just to put a bow on it, I realized that all of the different air, like topic areas that I had 
sprung together in my mind had created a pretty unique nexus of the perspective that I now hold um, on my work and, and authentic branding, as well as my, I guess, now new <laughs> line of work, improving, you know, establishing and upholding, you know, ethical standards in the coaching and consulting industries. So it's been an evolution over, I would say, probably the last two years or so where I really felt like something was happening. And every time I turned a new corner, I was surprised like, oh, okay, there that is. I wasn't expecting that. And, and so, yeah, so it's, it's definitely been an evolution. I knew I was on the path to something. That was the trick is I knew I was on the path to something, but not in a million years would I have imagined even six months ago that I would be in this very spot now. Amazing. And I think what I've heard you say is so important in how we get to defining or understanding what our purpose actually is. It takes sometimes those radical life events and us not giving into it to really move us. And that's, I, I think, what I'm hearing from you as well. Yeah. Um, given yeah. that, because now one of the things you were talking about is your authenticity and coming to terms with the fact that what you were doing was not as authentic as you wanted it to be. What would you say is something people seem to misunderstand about who you are um, and, uh, and what you do and how you got here, particularly as you weave in the whole elements around quantum physics and EI? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think it really stems from the fact that most people still uh, have a misunderstanding around what a brand actually is. Uh, I think most of the time they imagine a brand, if they're not thinking still like the logos, colors, fonts and stuff. I think a lot of people have graduated from that and kind of maybe grasp a little bit more that it's, it's about something a bit deeper, but they still view it in a static way as in, oh, I did some brand work with a consultant and now we're done. The thing is, is that your brand is never done. Your brand is, no. is this beautiful, it's, you could almost imagine it like some type of energy field. I read a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> but I, I read a, a research paper about the energetic field that they believe that human beings have, that they, they were you know, postulating in this paper. And I thought it was absolutely fascinating. It was an electromagnetic uh, field. And I thought, this is a great metaphor for brands because you know, at first my brand starts out as just me. And so that field basically just extends around me. But as more people get invited into it, right? More people who are a part of my audience, more people just like you two who, I, who are, while are not under the umbrella of my brand, you've touched it and you've changed it by giving me this opportunity. Your brand is constantly evolving. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, your brand is constantly evolving. And so that is why the Emotional intelligence piece is so important. Emotional intelligence is, is all about your self-awareness. You cannot be authentic without being self-aware. If, if you do not work on self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't work on your self-regulation, if you're not sure how you can have an impact on other people, your social awareness and your social management, then you can't be certain that you're ever truly being authentic or that you're, you're work, at least getting, you know, working towards authentic mastery 
in terms of your expression, because you're at your core, you're not aware of who you actually are or what you're feeling right. or why you're feeling at any given time. So I think it really all ties back to people misunderstanding what a brand is and not recognizing it mm -hmm. as a living, evolving entity that you and the people involved are constantly feeding into. Yes, it's so fantastic. Just what you're sharing. I mean, it blows your mind, but, but looking inside yourself, you're so, it's, you're so right. Mm -hmm. And we're so excited mm -hmm. to have you as our guest. And my next question would be, it's all about, again, you've shared so many great things. And for our female listeners, sister friends, I'm sure they, they, they have more questions. But <laughs> one question I want, I'm sure they want to ask is that, what does it truly mean to be unapologetically female? What's that truly mean to you with everything going in, on in life? Because sometimes it's still a male dominated world, mm -hmm. but you are a strong That's female okay. that has done so much you know, for your business and brand. And I know you're also starting a nonprofit on top of that. So, so what's it really mean to you? Because again, besides VR, girl, I know you, <laughs> Lizzie, I'm so happy you're here because you know, we've been talking about so many things together in our clubhouse rooms. But again, to share with our sister friends on the call today, uh, what does it mean to be unapologetically female? What does that mean to you? So I, I think that for me, this question is incredibly interesting because I do think it ties back to authenticity and it's the ability to recognize that every single one of us is having this human experience. And so for me, being unapologetically female is irrevocably intertwined with being unapologetically myself, whatever that happens to look like on any given day. Uh, you know, today it looks like this tomorrow or next week, I'm supposed to go to a, a Christmas party. So it's going to look really awesome. Hopefully <laughs> if I, can pull it together um but i think we're, it really we're ties confident it will it will look yes fabulous. it'll be fabulous uh but i really think it ties back to being unapologetically myself and being comfortable with that that what ruthie brings to the table is what it means to be unapologetically female to her Love and, it. and if I accept that, then that means I can also accept that what it means to you, Lanita, and what it means to you, Karen, to be unapologetically female is also truth. It's not right or wrong. It's just also truth. And I, I imagine that to be true. If I had been born a man, then that would have just been my expression of what it means to be a man. I have three boys and all three of them are incredibly different. I have one daughter and three boys and all three of them are incredibly different. But every single one of them, as they go through life and grow up, they are learning what it means to be a human being. And that's their authentic expression of it. And, you know, depending on what you believe in this, in this iteration of themselves, they were born and they will grow into men. And what that means to them, they'll have to decide. Just like for my daughter, I want her to, to live in a world where her showing up is what it means to be female and it is accepted as truth. I love that. And, and that's what I heard as, as we talk about unapologetically female. It's whatever that expression is to you in the body that you are. So whether you were born female or you're transgender or you are queer in some other iteration of what that may mean, it is you showing up as you, however you define it in that moment and with the right to evolve to something different as you go through this journey of life. Is that fair? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Yes. No, very fair. Very fair. <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, and so one of the things that I want to know as we talk about it and, and we're kind of touched on it a little bit as well is um, 
all of us go through these. We're all on this journey, right? Life's a journey, not a destination, right? Absolutely. As we move in our journey, what have you found to be the most challenging roadblock that you encountered along the way? And how did you break through it? I know that's a heavy one. It is a heavy one. Um, so I would say that to this day, I, I know that I've done difficult things. This is this story I'm going to share. is isn't the hardest thing I've ever done. But at the time, I, I struggled to imagine many more occasions in which I was most afraid. Um, but I... I was a staff sergeant. I got to the rank of staff sergeant while I was in the army. So for my other service folks, that's an E6. I was an enlisted rank six because in the air force and staff sergeant is an E5. That wasn't me. I was an E6. <laughs> I, want, I want my credit, but um, I was a staff sergeant. I had, I had one deployment under my belt. I did a 12 month deployment to Afghanistan and I had moved, I had PCS changed station to Fort Gordon and I had a whole squad of male soldiers. Um, and for anybody who's listening, I typically, when I'm reflecting on my military time, we use a lot of male and female. That is just how we talk when we're in the military. Um, but typically when I'm talking about current events, I try to say man and woman. Um, but yeah, so I had all male soldiers until the day that I did. And I had my first female soldier and it was very exciting. Um, and I really liked her. We had a really good relationship. Uh, but one of her battle buddies came to me one day. And she told me that my soldier was experiencing uh, sexual harassment in the workplace by another E6 who was in the Navy. Um, and uh, I guess I'll say it, unfortunately, he was kind of like a, a golden boy. Everybody loved him and he had been there for a while. He was getting ready to get out of the Navy. He already had a federal contracting position lined up. So he was gonna come right back in as a civilian. And here she was, fairly new to the office and is experiencing these things and was being harassed by him. So I, I have a very good poker face, but mentally inside, I was having like a bit of a panic attack a little bit. And this was because when I had first joined the military, I had, uh, I was sexually assaulted in training. And then when I got back from my deployment, the night that I got back, so I was a, a private in training. And then nearly two years later, the day I got back from Afghanistan, I was sexually assaulted again, completely different people, completely different scenario. And I was a Sergeant. So I was a non-commissioned officer at that time. And I was like, oh, you know, that really messed with me. But in true fashion, right, you suck it up and drive on. And so I didn't take the time I needed to deal with that. But then when my when I found out that one of my soldiers was potentially suffering and I was very worried of it escalating, I told her friend to to meet me before her shift. I would wait around and we would talk. And so I, I let her know that her friend talked to me. She knew since she communicated the message, but she told me she was afraid. She told me she was afraid. And I, well, I just, I, I spent that whole time. I don't think I even knew until I sat down to look at her and see the emotions on her face and see how much it was worrying her and stressing her out and how afraid she was. I wasn't even sure what I was going to do or what I was going to say. Mm. And so what I ended up doing was sharing my story with her. And the reason why it was so important for me to share was because 
the, out of the two times I reported the first time in training and my case was completely mishandled, like completely mishandled. There was like a taped confession, the, you know, our military police, they accidentally destroyed it. It got destroyed in some type of HVAC incident. And that was all I had because it had been months later. So there was no physical evidence. And then instead of getting like signed affidavits from the other people who heard the taped confession, uh, they just said it was my word against his. And he got a letter of reprimand that was temporary, didn't stay in his file. My case was so mishandled and nobody supported me, which is why I did not report the second one. And so I tell her all of this. And, and Ruthie, that and, is not atypical. No, no, it's not. In whatever no, not. industry, but it's most uh, dis disarming and, and, and problematic in the military. So thank you for your service, first of all. And then thank you for being willing to share that here with us today and our listeners. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it's not an atypical experience because the military is not required to report those things because they have their own police and it should be handled, uh, but it wasn't. And so I just, I had that experience of not being supported. And so I could tell that this kind of wasn't making her feel better, but I told her, I said, if you were telling this to, so I was, I was Sergeant Bowles, but I was like, if you were telling this to Private Andrews, which was my maiden name, she would tell you to keep your mouth absolutely shut. Do not tell anybody because nobody is going to help you and it's going to ruin your time here. You just got here. You don't even want to be involved in that. I was like, but I told her, I said, but you're talking to Staff Sergeant Bowles now. And I'm telling you right now that if I have to go sit outside of our first sergeant's office, our commander's office, if I have to go find, you know, the base commander and talk to them, if I got to talk to NSA commander, then I'll talk to them. I was like, I will write letters to Congress people and senators. I will do whatever it is I have to do, including following him out to the parking lot one night and making him fear for his life because I had a reputation of being slightly unstable, <laughs> which was intentional. I was like, but you will not fail in this. I was like, you are not alone. And I will absolutely, uh, this is the hill I am choosing to die on. And I will do this for you if you choose to report. And you have kindred spirit, unstable folks. So feel free, right. just <laughs> tell the story. Tell the story, Ruthie. <laughs> and for us too, that it's just so important because we need more women like you in the military yeah. in other areas like that because even though men think it's a men's world, we know women rule the world, but again, but there's still so many places that things just get swept under the rug. Right, and I love the fact that you were there to give yes. her what nobody was able to give you, even though you were experiencing your own PTSD from the incident. How did yeah. it all resolve? So she actually ended up reporting she said, okay, let's do it. She ended up reporting and I was prepared. And I don't know if I had just put that much intention and energy out into the universe. I would also like to credit the fact that we had a really solid chain of command uh, there for our unit, but it went exactly the way it was supposed to. It was like for everything that went wrong with my own case and my own reporting, it went the way it was supposed to for her. Uh, so the Navy removed him from that workspace, the contracting company, the so the building that he was supposed to work in, they're like, yeah, no, he can't work here. We don't want him. Bye, Felicia. And so he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't able to get a job at that place anymore. And my soldier was able to go to work without the anxiety. But I cannot even express to you how prepared I was was to go to battle. I was just as prepared to fight for her as I was prepared when we deployed and, you know, you're on alert and you're like, cover like that takes a lot of intensity and I was ready to bring that level of intensity for her. And it actually went the way that it was supposed to. And that, that 
whole experience way before I became an entrepreneur, way before I looked at marketing as an area of focus and branding and authenticity, that experience showed me the power of, of, of how much and, and how much strength there can be in vulnerability and how it can help other people. And that's just mm-hmm. so wonderful. Again, that one roadblock, that one mm-hmm. challenge, that one thing that again happened in your life, you were able to inspire and empower another female soldier. And again, that's what's required. And that's what we're all about here in this our podcast women empowering women and that's what you were just showing for everyone to hear again in the military those who are in life today because we know it's not a one-off mm-hmm. it's still it's happening every single day and right the more on. and more of our sister friends can find a sister find a leader who can support them who can share as well as all get here today and kick his ass together if yes. it's needed. Yes, <laughs> some, that, sometimes that's what's required Exactly. I, I got to be better, you know, but again, <laughs> but sometimes we as sister friends got to look out for our sisters with it. So thank you very much for sharing that story. I have another question for you, though, to go on. Besides that one experience, whether taking on a new role in the military, becoming an author, initiating your podcast, and you have over 200 podcast episodes. So we are definitely <laughs> Congratulations. Happy Yay. Yes. <laughs> And all the other many hats that you wear as a mom of four that impacted you in ways that you did not expect. How did you react and what did you learn from all the various experiences you had besides this one in the military as well? So, and I shared this a little bit at the beginning, but realizing that I was not showing up in my marketing Mm. was a huge, huge hurdle. Because, you know, I, you don't create content, you don't market with the idea of, hey, I'm doing a bad job, or I'm not doing as good as I can. And I think, so that's something important to remember is we're all doing the best that we can with the tools that we've got at the time that we have them. But as soon as I became aware, right, that people were like, oh, you're way different. And I know that in person, I I make friends, people like me, I make people laugh, I have a good time, they have a good time, it's great. I was like, okay, so that means that there's something missing in my marketing and that's not showing up. And I wanted to, I wanted to, how, how different would my business be if I was able to show up that way? And so that that was another hurdle because when you realize it's, it's not, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm using the wrong hashtags is an easy technical problem to fix, right, right? right? I'm not showing up authentically in my marketing. And I thought I was is not an easy technical problem to fix. And so that was something, a bit of a journey, as I uh, stated before, where I had to learn what I was talking about when I was talking about my authentic self and who she was, who she wants to be, her strengths and her weaknesses, you know, the light side, the shadow side, like all of it. What does that mean? And, you know, more importantly, at least from my perspective, what does that mean to me? And when we're answering those same questions for clients, it's okay, what does that mean to them? Because the only experience, the only perspective you have to experience this life with is your own. And so that I would say is probably one of the bigger hurdles because again, it was moving from you know, search engine optimized content. How do we optimize content for Google? You know, Once you have the knowledge, you just have to keep up to date on it. It's mm-hmm. fine. Like it's, it's, it's a skill, absolutely. I'm not gonna say it's easy, but compared to figuring out what it meant to show up authentically, what it meant to be myself, Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I obviously wasn't before, that was a much harder, harder nut to crack. 
because it's mostly emotional. You have to know who you are and how you share that with others. And uh, for me, it's a little bit of the opposite. I, I kind of knew who I am and I'm good with that. But I realized that all of this is a little bit much for a lot of people. <laughs> so, and so, um, and I'm resonating with what you're sharing because I've had to, uh, over the years, figure out ways to not lose who I am and my authentic self and yet not be extremely over domineering in, uh, in my approach and my delivery. It's a tough balance and you're right. It's very personal. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It, it's really important that people recognize finding out who you are and then how to deliver that are two prongs of the same journey. You have to, they are, they, they have to go hand in hand. And that's what I'm hearing mm -hmm. from you. Um, so, so with that, can you tell us a situation? And it sounds like you've spoken to a couple of situations, most similarly, your, um, the situation that, um, happened to you in the military as an assault uh, victim. Can you tell us um, how that transformed you? It was, I think, probably one of my first experiences as an adult uh, where I had to rely on a safety net that was not my family. Mm. And so it transformed me and it's, it's, you know, in some cases it ended up being good in other cases, it ended up being bad. Um, and those became lessons for me to work through as I got older. So one example is in, a, in almost a negative way that it transformed me is I became, it became almost impossible for me to effectively communicate with romantic partners. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really hard for me to communicate. Yeah. And after going to therapy, <laughs> after going to therapy, it, it just kind of, kind of came to my mind that that was because I had tried to communicate and was ignored in the worst way. Right. right? And so while I knew that not every, right, not every man <laughs> was that guy, it didn't matter because it had touched something so deeply like embedded inside of me mm. that the communication was really difficult. And so that became something that I had to work on and work through. And so now, um, even after those two experiences, I, my, my 10 year anniversary is, is next week. Congratulations. And thank Congratulations. you. Thank you. Yeah. So much to celebrate for you. This <laughs> Yay. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's our 10 year anniversary. And I, and this communication, it was, it's not just restricted to not being able to communicate well in the bedroom either, just, you know for anybody who's listening, it extended to a lot of things, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Just even communicating what I needed or what I wanted in a broader sense was difficult with a romantic partner. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was just, that's been something that I've had to work on and that we've worked on together. Um, and it's definitely helped me, again, be more cognizant of, of my own emotions and, and that self-awareness and that self-management of, of recognizing in myself, hey, these are the feelings I typically have when I want mm -hmm. to communicate something and I feel like maybe it won't be well received. Mm. And so what I, when you're not aware of that, you may allow those emotions to curb or change your behavior. And then you have what we call goal incongruent behaviors. You are mm -hmm. no longer in alignment with your actual goals. Mm -hmm. So that self-awareness allows me to recognize that particular cocktail of emotions and then mm -hmm. allows me to say, okay, I understand that that's what I'm feeling. 
it's okay, mm-hmm. but I am still going to choose to have this behavior and as just show myself the, self-compassion. Sure. As opposed to the self-defeating behavior that we right. sometimes default to. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. You are so self-actualized. It's amazing. We probably do need to have you come back and talk a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> about that because that topic in and of itself is is a weighty one and i think one that people can really uh resonate with um karen i think you've got the next question yep and, and that's what's so important again being able to share but also using therapy and getting support that you need in some of these situations as well which is very critical if a folks listening to us again therapy is something that we people of color have mm-hmm. not always tend to go for but it's so so important and critical so mm-hmm. my next question I have for you, Ruthie, is that from all that you have experienced personally and professionally, what is your best advice, suggestion for making the world a better place? I would say that my absolute best advice for making the world a better place is to always consider alternative perspectives. And I, and I say that, right? And y'all know some of the things that I've experienced always consider alternative perspectives. It's not that you have to consider that perspective and adopt it as true or, you know, all is forgiven or anything like that. But when you're able to consider other people's perspectives, you're able to, able to better decipher their motives, mm-hmm. their motivations for doing certain things. So there's a, oh shoot, what comedian, what comedian am I thinking of? I think it's Chris Rock is the comedian I'm thinking of right now. And he has a, he had a, a skit that he did about uh, OJ Simpson. And he's talking about all the <laughs> stuff going on and the skit, he says, I'm not saying he should have killed her, but I but understand. I understand. <laughs> right. I do know that. And, and I've used that <laughs> phrase on more than one occasion. I'm not saying that I would have whooped her ass, but I understand. You understand. And so when you're able to better understand people's motivations, again, not necessarily condoning or accepting their behavior. Right. When you, you un- yep. Yeah. And some, in some cases, right, like say Karen and I just had this crazy dis- you know, disagreement and I wasn't considering her perspective, but then I did. And I was able to see how from her perspective, this was mm-hmm. ABC that completely changes the, the, the connotation that changes the emotional overture overtones of our disagreement. And now we can come to a resolution, right? So that's an example of, I think probably most engagements for people, some horrible things happen though. Sometimes horrible things happen. Mm -hmm. And when we consider alternative perspectives without necessarily condoning or accepting, then we can understand motivations. Mm -hmm. And when you can understand someone's motivation for something, it, really changes how you might look at something. Uh, One last example would be how there was a police department on social media that got completely roasted because they put out an APB on a man who had shoplifted from a store. What got them roasted was what he shoplifted. He shoplifted diapers. Mm. And people people on social media were like, what if I just send money to the store? Will y'all stop it, please? Like he's mm-hmm. not wearing those diapers for himself. Those are clearly mm-hmm. baby diapers. Mm-hmm. And that completely changes. We're not saying that people should steal, but when you know that he stole diapers, it completely right. changes your understanding of that, that event. Well, and it's not to bring it home full circle for where we are right now uh, in the world people who don't want to get vaccinated. It's easy to roast those people and to say they're just a bunch of crazies and whatever else people say uh, about them uh, and whatever our personal views are about it, 
-hmm. I think if we don't understand why that is so key and important to them, and I'm talking out of the broad context of people, but all of us know people who otherwise are like really, you know, bright, brilliant folks in the, in the regular lives become absolutely un, um, an inability to have a decent conversation about it. And if I put myself in their shoes and say, okay, I can get that. I hear, I disagree completely, right? I'm following the science one way and it leads me to this conclusion. You're following it another way and it leads to another conclusion. Mm -hmm. But I need to be able to put myself in your shoes in order for us to have a decent conversation about it. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I'm just waiting for you to be quiet so I can tell you why you're wrong. Right. And, and then that simple. doesn't that doesn't do anything for anyone. And in even just speaking to that perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Again, the mm-hmm. very broad perspective. Um, you know, because we've we've elected to get vaccinated in our family, but I can say with one thousand percent certainty that the medical community writ large, especially when you add in things like pharmaceutical companies and insurance companies and stuff, they have not always had our best interests at heart. Case in point, the opioid pandemic, the opioid epidemic, right? And Purdue Pharma, like they they didn't give a damn. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Right. So, but like you said, you follow the science and you have to, you know, and I think that even ties back to a larger conversation around education are as individuals, we should have enough of an education to at least be able to interpret and understand the findings of some of the medical research, even if like I can't go in and do all of the math calculations, but I should be able to sit down with some of these, these medical research papers and actually read them and feel like, okay, now I can make an educated decision. And we often don't educate people to that level, but that's a whole nother conversation. I know. <laughs> but, but you are so right. You are so right. So I'm gonna go on to the next question then. Um, what has encouraged you the most and keeps you encouraged on your journey from discovering your path to living your destiny? Honestly, I would say it's it's the the, the DMs, the, the direct messages, the private messages, it's the mm-hmm. comments on my posts, it's the people who email me back, it's the people who, you know, consider me good enough to invite <laughs> and talk on their shows because it lets me know that as I authentically show up, the message is rippling out and it's resonating with people to such an extent that they felt moved to take an action of some kind. And I think when we consider all of the the demands that we have on our time for someone to even take 10 seconds to, to send me a message on LinkedIn and say, hey, Ruthie, I just listened to your last podcast episode. It really helped me understand some things. Thank you. You know, I've done podcast episodes where people have messaged me, especially about like the unethical business stuff. And they, they messaged me and thought, Ruthie, I thought everything was my fault. And listening to your episodes on, on that particular topic really helped me see that maybe I shouldn't quit. And I was like, if even one person feels yes. that way, then what I have done is worthwhile because who knows by them not quitting, who knows who they're going to go on and impact and the change that they will be able to have because they were able to reframe their experience because of the content I put out. And that's so important because again, you have so much to share. You've done so many wonderful things and we never know. I I was sharing with some young ladies this morning. We never know how our experience is going to impact someone else, how something we say may touch someone else. And that's so important. Continue sharing your story. And that's important. So I have another question for you, Ms. Ruthie. <laughs> Who is the one person you would like to interview and why? Okay. 
Hmm. Okay. So this year I got to interview that quantum physicist. I know. I know. Exciting. That was so exciting. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, check that one off the list. <laughs> uh, but I would say the person that I am, that I would absolutely love to interview. Um, I follow her on TikTok. And I like TikTok. It seems to give you an, a, a different side to people, maybe that they don't show everywhere else. Uh, Gabrielle Union. Oh, oh, I would love to interview her. Following her content on TikTok and learning, you know, I still I have books on my my read list. Yep. But hearing like her interviews and the way that she shows up and the way that that she shows her personality, um, I think that interviewing her would be absolutely fascinating. Um, just again, just because I'm just like, wow, like what I thought I knew about her has changed completely. I would say probably in the last year or so. And I think she would be a fantastic interview. I think she would just shoot it straight and it would be a great time. I'd probably find, I would probably try to prolong that interview as long as possible. Cause it would be so good. <laughs> again, but put it out there, put it out there. And we actually read her book for our book club. I'm in a book club as well, uh, SST. Mm -hmm. So it was a fantastic book, but yeah. um, put it out there. So I'll ask Lanita to ask the last question, number 10. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so given that, and this has been such a great discussion, what is the one question you wish an interviewer, and we've listened to a couple of your interviews and certainly your podcast, and we are fans, uh, but what is the one question you wish an interviewer would have asked you, but no one ever has? So this was a really hard question for me <laughs> as I was thinking about it. Um, as I was thinking about it, it, it was a really hard question, but I don't think that anyone has ever asked me how my experience as a translator and a government intelligence analyst has intersected with my work as a brand and marketing strategist, um, which is interesting because mm -hmm. they are seemingly unrelated. So I think it makes for a good question. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So now we've come to the end of our interview. Well, as and, and just, I'm gonna jump in right quick. <laughs> yes, just go ahead. So you know, we're not gonna have you answer that right now because our expectation is that you will join us again. Oh, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. But still, you share so many things today, so many wonderful tidbits, as well as advice, as well as opportunity to empower so many women with your story. And for those, again, I will ask you also to share on what's the name of your podcast? And how can people find your podcast? Please share that as well. Awesome. Absolutely. So it's called it's called the Defiant Business Podcast. You can look it up wherever you listen to your podcast. If you don't typically listen to podcasts, you can just Google it, The Defiant Business Podcast, and it will come up definitely on the first page of Google, and you can listen to it. Excellent. Now, you saw your podcast back in 2019. We're now mm -hmm. 2021, and I, again, come to the end of the year, but again, we've listened to several of your podcasts, and we know they are fantastic, and we are thank you very much for being a guest for us. So anything, any last comments you want to you share with our audience today? Um, so I would say just kind of something to keep in mind, because we talked a lot about authenticity and being yourself. Keep in mind that your relationship with yourself is not a one and done type of thing. It is the most intimate relationship that you will ever have in your entire life. And you will discover new things about yourself right up until the day that you die. If you take the time to live mindfully 
and continue exploring yourself. I think that's absolutely the key. If you think you know yourself, I guarantee you that there is something, some nuance, Mm -hmm. some dark corner, some blind spot that you haven't explored. So I wish you the very best on that journey. And I hope you find as many blind spots, as many nuances and dark corners that you possibly can. Oh my gosh, such a great pearl of wisdom to share with us. And uh, what a great takeaway for uh, today to culminate everything that you shared. Uh, We really appreciate you joining us, Ruthie. Thank you so much. It was excellent, excellent, excellent. Again, like Lena shared earlier, we will be inviting you back again. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me so much. (laughs) All right. Well, Karen, it's a wrap for episode number six. And this has really been a great discussion with our guest, Ruthie Bowles. She shared some awesome takeaways that I'm sure everyone can learn from. And we'd love to hear from our listeners about it. So listeners, our sister friends, please send us your thoughts and comments as well as recommendations for speakers and topics that you'd like to hear. We are all about women empowering women. Right, Karen? Yes, Juanita. Join us each month as we continue designing our destiny and inspiring others to do the same. Until then, wish you safe travels on your path.